It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is singer-songwriter Ray Wiley Hubbard. He'll be performing December 12th at the Golden Nugget Las Vegas. For ticket information, go to goldennugget.com. And for everything about Ray Wiley Hubbard, including his album, Tell the Devil I'm Getting There as Fast as I Can, go to raywiley.com. And you can follow him on Twitter at Ray Wiley. And Ray, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. We're going to cover a wide variety of material, but let's start. Everyone starts with the snake farm. The only reason I'm bringing up the snake farm is there's the mention of Ramona, who yep. looked like Tempest Storm, who's been on my show. So you see how the oh, yeah. six degrees of separation there. Well, it, you know, there's an old uh, snake farm down here in New Braunfels between Austin and San Antonio. And I'd driven by it probably 10,000 times. It's been there like 40 years. And one day I drove by and I went, ooh. And uh, it just sounds nasty. And I went, well, it is. It's a reptile house. So I kind of came up with a chorus, you know, snake farm just sounds nasty. Snake farm, well, pretty much is. Snake farm, reptile house, snake farm, ooh. So I had that. And I went, well, what am I going to do with it? And I said, well, I'll make it a love song. A man, a man who doesn't like snakes, but he's in love with a woman who works at the snake farm. So I started thinking, well, what kind of woman would work at a snake farm? Well, her name would be Ramona. She'd look like Tempest Storm. She'd dance like Little Egypt. She'd drink malt liquor. She'd have a, a tattoo that's very, you know, ironic. And she would like to band the alarm. So after that, it was pretty easy to, uh, you know, not easy, but it was just it just made sense to, to be able to put it together. Now it's great, and it clearly established you initially. And of course, that song became so popular and, and helped establish you on the national scene. Okay, yeah. well, I, I, did, I didn't know I was <laughs> so prominent on the national scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know somebody forgot to tell me. Uh, no problem. Let me, <laughs> thank, let me, you for, yeah. thank you for uh, acknowledging that. Absolutely. No, it, it, it's just kind of one of those... Uh, you know, I feel very fortunate. You know, I sleep with the president of my record label, which is, which, which is my wife, Judy, not Clive Davis. So Judy says, you write whatever you want to write. You make the records you want to make. And she says, I'll try to sell the damn thing. So as a writer, that's a really good place for me to be because I'm not writing because I have a publishing deal. I'm not writing to try to get somebody, you know, a, a big star to sing. I'm just writing because I can go, Oh, okay. It's a snake farm, you know. Exactly. And so I, I feel very fortunate to be able to write, you know, not thinking about the future of the song, just kind of writing uh, for that moment. So that's kind of, you know, I feel like I say, I feel very uh, fortunate, very grateful. I can just write about whatever I want to write about. Inherently, when you were writing and and performing too, there's that inherent sense of humor that you have, which I think appeals to a lot of people, including me. Did you have that as a as a young man, or did it develop over time as you started to play with words and, and become a songwriter and a storyteller? Well, my my dad was uh, an English teacher. He uh, when I was young, when I was very very young, and uh, and uh, he, uh, he he taught English, so literature was very important to me. As a, as a kid, instead of reading the Three Little Pigs, he'd read the Raven, you know. 
and uh, and uh, he got me involved in the uh, you know the classics, Tale of Two Cities, Three Musketeers, uh, you know, Last of the Mohicans, Huckleberry Finn, all that. So I, as a young you know kid, I would have to read and we would talk about it. And then my mother was just you know had an incredible sense of humor. She was just uh, she she was just always funny. I mean, she just always said. You know, and so I, I feel very fortunate to you know to have parents. One of them who was very, very literate, and you know, and then the other one who was just always fun. You know, so I, so I don't know. I just kind of, oh, I, you know, I take my songwriting seriously, even when I write like a goofy song like Snake Farm. I say, well, it's well, real, hope it's well written, but I take myself lightly. You know, I don't take myself too seriously, and that that just seems to really work for me. It does. The work is serious, but you yourself kind of look at yourself and laugh and have fun well it's it's still a joy for me you know uh, of traveling and playing you know like when we played the golden nugget last year it was just uh it was such a treat i think what happened i think charlie daniel had been booked but then uh something else came up or something he couldn't do it so uh uh you know they called me and said would you do that and i said heck yeah man i'd love to do that so we went out there and uh you know, didn't embarrass ourselves. Having us back. <laughs> well, maybe we did embarrass ourselves. Maybe that's why they're having us. Back. But uh, it, s- it was such a it was such a treat. And like I say, it's still a joy for me. Still fun, you know, performing and seeing people laugh and sing along. You know, I've talked to a lot of people over the years, and one of the complaints is the performance on stage is the fun, but the travel is not. Would that be a similar thing for you? Well, it, it 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 is in a way, you know. I mean, flying sometimes is, uh, you know, it's it's uh, you know having to get up, you know, at four thirty to get the airport by five, you know, five thirty or six to catch a seven o'clock plane. You know, sometimes that the traveling does get old. But and then once you walk on the stage and and uh, see people smile and you know, then that that's uh, that's why you do it. You know, they kind of you do that because you love that. You know, they just kind of pay you because you got to miss luggage or you know have to drive late into the night uh, after a gig so yeah it i would have to agree with that that's kind of the traveling but it's still it's still worth it and that's the great part of it is that you get satisfaction not just in the performing but in recording as well i was going to ask you about this later on but i might as well do it now when you record are you recording usually in texas or is it everywhere wherever there's a studio and you have the time well, about the last five or six records I've done here in, in Texas, uh, in Austin. I live in Wimberley, just south of Austin. And there's a studio about 10 miles from here called The Zone, which is a great studio. Robert Earl Keynes recorded there. The band called Midlands recorded there. Uh, gosh, it's just a really cool little studio out in the hill country. And then, of course, I recorded in Austin there, too. But most of, you know, I'm, I've, they're mostly... Uh, I just do them here in Texas, you know, because it's convenient and that, and they sound good. They're great studios. And you don't have to travel as far. That's it. That's yeah. it. Especially the zone. It's just like 10 miles away. So, yeah, that's a good one. And So, yeah, but, but most of my records, uh, uh, are, the, the next record coming out probably, I think, in March or April, I've kind of done, I've done some in Nashville. It's, it's a record um, I've done with, each song is a different band. I just kind of knew different bands, and I just said, "Hey, man, you want to go in and track with me?" So uh, there's, uh, I've got different songs. That one song's with a band called Cadillac Tree, and another one's called Larkin Poe, and then Pam Tillis did a song with me, and uh, 
Oh, gosh, uh, a young uh, rock guy, Tyler Bryant, and the Shakedown. So it, each track is just a different band because it was just when it's, hey, man, you want to go in there and track, which is was a lot of fun, except now I gotta, I've got already done the facts, and now i got to go back and file with the union because I forgot to do that. I myself and went, oh, yeah, i gotta, I got to make sure this is legal. But I just told these guys, hey, man, can you come down? I'll give you engineer 400 bucks and let's just record. So... Uh, so uh, to answer your question, uh, the next record is I uh, uh, did some in Texas and some in Nashville. Do we have a title for it yet? I think I'm going to call it co-starring. Like you know, it, yeah. Because it's going to be Ray Wiley Hubbard co-starring. You know, Cadillac Free, Pam Tillis, Ronnie Dunn, Aaron Lee Tash, and uh, Larkin Poe. I can't even remember who I got on it now. Another way, so, uh, another way of saying duets, uh, almost. Well, also because, like I said, they're kind of full bands. You know, right. like uh, uh, this band Larkin Poe, who I just love. They're two sisters and they just rock and so uh and also did a track with uh, uh the blue bonnets which is kathy valentine from the old go-go's mm-hmm. she has a great great band called the blue bonnets in austin that's just rock and so uh it was just kind of one of those things of uh just kind of called up say hey, man you want to track a song so well, yeah so it kind of turned into this so it becomes recording first paperwork later yes that's yeah. it that's it right there gotcha you know? <laughs> you you mentioned the sisters of of uh, Larkin Poe, and the sisters were with you at the Grand Ole Opry. Yes, that was really uh, I guess about two years ago. I was walking in the Nashville airport, and I'm walking along. And I hear this voice behind me go, "Ray Wiley," and I turn around. And it's Pam Tillis. She goes, "I recognize the back of your head." <laughs> and, uh, which, you know, there's benefits to cutting your own hair, I guess. <laughs> and so uh, we got together and wrote a couple of songs. And then she said, have you ever been on the Grand Ole Opry? And I said, no, I never have. She said, well, let me ask them about it. But if you get on it, you're going to have to do Snake Farm. And I went, okay. And so uh, then she called up and said, hey, I got you, uh, you know, gonna do the Grand Ole Opry, do three songs. And then I'd run into uh, uh, Rebecca you know, from Larkin Poe mm-hmm. in Nashville, and we, and we were having a lunch with her and Tyler Bryant. And I said, yeah, man, I think the next time I'm up here, I'm going to do uh, a Grand Ole Opera. And so Rebecca said, oh, we're, we're off that day. So I said, well, would you want to come play it with me? And they said, oh, sure. You know, I, I was hoping you would ask. So I went in there with my son, Lucas, on guitar, and my drummer, Kyle Snyder, and then uh, Megan and uh, Rebecca came out and played with me. And then I had the great... You know, uh, Pam Tillis actually came out and sang with us on a song. So it was quite a thrill. Well, especially now when you have uh, the Ken Burns PBS documentary about country music that's even more in the universe uh, mm-hmm. than it used to be. And the fact that the Grand Ole Opry has a wonderful story, and you were in the new Grand Ole Opry, but it still had that part of the stage from the Ryman Auditorium. Oh, yeah. They got a little circle there right. also from the original stage. And, and you get there and you can feel it's something. You know, there's certain moments that kind of more in time that are more powerful than others. And when you walk in on that opera stage, that's a really very powerful moment. And it, it was great because I didn't screw up. <laughs> and you and you sang uh, Snake Farm as well. Yes, did Snake Farm. We opened with Snake Farm, which kind of the audience there weren't really weren't sure why I was there <laughs> or about me. So we did Farm, got them to sing along, and then it was... Uh, it was such a treat, especially, you know, having Pam introduce me and sing with me and then Larkin Poe, uh, you know, doing that deal. So it really was a thrill. Did the president of your record company come with you for that event? Yes, my wife was there. You Good. know, she, uh, Good. she 
she came down for us. It, it, like I say, it was quite a quite a thrill. And how long has your son Lucas been playing with you? Well, I guess he's twenty six now, so at least gosh, I'd say he kind of started out playing with me sitting in when he was like, you know, 12 or 13. And then he got the full-time gig uh, when Gerf Morlicks, uh, you know, had to travel to Canada. So I guess he's been with me about eight years as a full tilt, you know, my, as my guitar player. It's Which, nice. It was, re- it was really, really great for about the first two years until he found out that Kyle, my drummer, was getting paid. <laughs> you know? You know <laughs> and then after that, you know, what? You know, he said, you're paying Kyle? Well, oh, yeah. And I said, well, no, I said, I said you're still auditioning. <laughs> no, but so he, I heard that. Good play- I'm sorry. <laughs> That's yeah, okay. He's, he's a good player and a good kid, man. I heard that the president of your record company also found out that Kyle was getting paid and she wanted to get paid. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Isn't that one reason for keeping it in the family? You can keep costs down. <laughs> yes. Yeah, really. That's it. But it, it's, uh, like I say, I feel very, I'm very grateful. I'm very, uh, you know, feel very fortunate to have my, you know, son. And he's got his head screwed on straight. And he's a good kid. And so he's a great player. So, you know, like I say, I feel, I'm very, very grateful. Well, another quick question about the Grand Ole Opry before we take a break. And that is, you don't define yourself particularly as country. I think it's it's you. You have more of a and correct me if I'm wrong. More of a mix of country folk and blues and all of that, and maybe some other elements there. But did you feel at home once you got up on the stage there? Well, yeah, it was a very warm uh, audience, very appreciative audience. Like I say, we did Snake Farm, and after the initial shock, <laughs> you know, they sang along. But then having Pam Tillis, she gave me an incredible, nice introduction. And so, you know, I like I say, I don't really consider myself. Uh, country, like with quotation marks, like kind of what's going on. I, I started off in, in folk music and acoustic music, and then I, I got in, a, uh, you know, of course, running around with Jerry Jeff Walker and Willie and Waylon and those guys that did shows with them. And so there was always that country influence, even though I wasn't a country singer per se. But then I feel very fortunate to have seen a lot in Hopkins and Freddie King and the blues guys, and that, of course, uh, uh, and come you 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 grab that you know and it's it's uh you put on that jacket and wear that and so and so as you say it's it's, it's kind of a I've been influenced by country and blues and folk and rock and roll so it's just you know it's kind of what I do I feel very fortunate I just kind of do a country song or a blues song or a folk song and so yeah but to answer your question yeah it, it's uh. It was a thrill. Well, let's take a break. My guest singer-songwriter Ray Wiley Hubbard will be performing December 12th at the Golden Nugget, Las Vegas. For ticket information, go to goldennugget.com. And for everything about Ray Wiley Hubbard, including his album, Tell the Devil, I'm getting there as fast as I can, go to raywiley.com and you can follow him on Twitter at Ray Wiley. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. There's something new at the Neon Museum. The emerging technology of light mapping brings old signs back to life. Forgotten artifacts of our past that once blazed in the Las Vegas night are reanimated in a dazzling immersion of sight and sound. You've never seen anything like it because there's never been anything like it. Brilliant, a Neon Museum experience. Performances nightly. Join the experience now at neonmuseum.org. 
Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with singer-songwriter Ray Wiley Hubbard. He'll be performing December 12th at the Golden Nugget Las Vegas. For ticket information, go to goldennugget.com. And for everything about Ray Wiley Hubbard, including his album, Tell the Devil, I'm Getting There As Fast As I Can, go to raywiley.com and you can follow him on Twitter at Ray Wiley. I like that Wiley because you can spell it a couple of different ways. Yours is W-Y-L-I-E. Yeah, it's uh, my, when I was born, my dad had five brothers. I know this sounds really weird, but so when, and so I was born, and so they, all the brothers, they put their name in the hat. And so uh, they drew out, I was named after my Uncle Raymond and my Uncle Wiley, which my mother always said, you're lucky you weren't named Roscoe Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Does somebody still have the hat? <laughs> no, 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 that's long gone. Long time. <laughs> yeah, you know, but it was so, you know, so it's just kind of, you know, and like I say, it's kind of one of those things in, in Texas, you had your, you know, your three names, guys, Jerry, Jeff Walker, and Willis Allen Ramsey, and, uh, you know, you uh, you can't, that was just kind of a, a, a thing happened down here for a while. You know, you just kind of would, uh, whenever you'd get in trouble, my mom would you would use all three names, Ray <laughs> Wiley, for playing in that mud. So it's kind of a Southern thing, too, a Texas thing of, uh, you know, just as a, the songwriters of having three names. So that's how I am. I want to talk a little bit about your high school years, because that's what got you into songwriting. I believe a gentleman by the name of Michael Murphy. Michael Murphy, who's now Michael Martin Murphy. Ah. He, he, he jumped on the middle name, too. Yeah, I went to high school there in Oak Cliff, which uh, W. H. Adamson High School, and Michael Murphy. He, uh, he, he I was, I was, he was a senior, and I was a sophomore, and uh, we had a horrible football team. We had some great assemblies, you know, because Michael would come out and sing, and he was like the first guy that that I, that uh, came out and said, "Here's a song I wrote," and all of a sudden this light went off. It's a songwriter. Wow! <laughs> so, uh, so I got a guitar and I learned. Uh, think hang down your head tom dooley and and then uh because of michael got involved in the folk music the whole folk scene at the time you know of course there were peter paul and mary but then you discovered dylan then you discover woody guthrie then you discover you know all the you know cool folk singers and you so, started uh, with the kingston trio and then you went all branched yeah, out yeah 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 you get the kingston trio and peter paul and mary learned that and so like I say, I got involved in, uh, because of uh, the acoustic, the folk thing. But uh, Michael was, uh, he was very uh, influential in, 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 you know, kicking the start. And also at that school was a young fellow named B.W. Stevenson, who uh, had the song My Maria and Shambhala. And so, it, like I say, it was a very uh, talented school there that, you know, got, we got involved there. But Michael was the one that really got me into it. Uh, have you stayed in touch with him? Yes, I do. I see him every now and then. Uh, we play, uh, gosh, we played up in uh, Red River, New Mexico. He has a big thing called West Fest. And so he invited me up there to play that in Red River, New Mexico. And I guess that was last year. So we still stay in touch. We'll uh, uh, run across each other if every he, now and then. If he inspired you to become a songwriter and a singer, did you inspire him to add the middle name? Yeah, that's it. That's what I'm going to tell people. I think so. I think it'll work. <laughs> so yeah, you know. I never thought of that before, but you're right. I yeah, guess. yeah. From Just, now on, yeah, I gave Michael. You know, Michael said he needed a middle name after hearing me. So, exactly. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I haven't thought of that before. But now on, it's part of the 
part of the one sheet. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And I'm glad I was able to contribute. <laughs> yes, yes. You mentioned Larkin Poe. I just want to go back to them for a second because I'm going to paraphrase a quote of one of the sisters who talked about you. And they said that you were like fine whiskey. I think they used a different term than whiskey, but I'm going to use whiskey. I think they said liquor, but you are like fine whiskey. You kind of settle into yourself as the years go by. And I I think in a way that does define you, and I don't mean to define you because you have to define yourself, but the point is you're not a Nashville guy. You're not some other guy. You're yourself. And you just, as you said earlier, the president of your record company, you're you're very close. Yeah. So you can do what you want to do, and you've, you've done that over a long period of time. Well, yeah, you're right. You know, like I say, I've, I've, I've uh, you know, like I say, it, it still comes down to uh, writing songs to me as I feel very fortunate to write about anything I want to, whether it's about the snake farm or tell the devil I'm getting there as fast as I can, which is meant to be kind of a, you know, rock and roll fable or, or, uh, you know, and, and so I feel very fortunate that I haven't had to, uh, you know, uh, compromise my writing at all. You know what I mean? In a way, sure. I, I have never tried to to write a hit country song. I've never tried to write a, a a song to get, you know, Tim McGraw or or somebody to record. You know, I've just, I don't write like that. I just, you know, kind of. Uh, feel fortunate to write about whatever I want to, whether it can use, you know, I don't know. It's just, but to answer your question, yeah, I've, I've never really fit in <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> All right. I appreciate you pointing that out. All right. No, I, I've never been kind of a mainstream guy. I've always right. been kind of underground and cool, and I've never, uh, uh, you know, been able to, you know, do the Nashville thing of being a, a songwriter for a publishing company, trying to write songs for other people. I just kind of write, you know, whatever I want to write about. I think the way that I think that way that works though for you, Ray, is that you get a diverse audience because different people see different elements of you and different parts of your songs and different parts of your performances, and so they're, you're not stereotyped. And as a result, you have a much more diverse, there's an overused word, but a much more diverse audience and a, a much more diverse fan base. Well, it, I, I think you're right, and I feel very grateful for it, you know, because like I say, it's kind of like if, uh, you know, that if, uh, that, you know, if you, uh, that, I, that I can go out and kind of do a, an acoustic song, or I can kind of go out and do a want to rock and roll and, you know, full tilt, just, you know, ZZ Top kind of power trio thing, or I can kind of turn around and do a a, 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 a low down Texas blues song, or I can kind of do a, a kind of a you know a folk rock. So uh, yeah, and, and my audience kind of you know like I'll have young college kids there, you know, and I actually have young kids there with you know want to hear Snake Farm and and. And then kind of uh, the older people that uh, kind of grew up with uh, Dylan and Gordon Lightfoot, you know, that I kind of appeal to some of them. So you're right. I, I feel very fortunate that, that I am kind of just, I'm not in just one 
one bag, as Sammy Davis Jr. would say. Yeah, <laughs> That's bag, true. You know? <laughs> That's you true. He, he would say that. <laughs> and he did, yeah, I think, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. So I just came up with another idea, which, again, I give to you absolutely free. And that is, have you thought about doing a live remote or a live recording? Let's, let's put it that way. Your next album should be a live recording at the Snake Farm. <laughs> I don't like snakes. Yeah. That's the whole point of the song, Aaron. <laughs> that's a really, that's a, that's a great idea. Don't tell Judy that or she'll have me doing it. I think it's great. And in the background, you can record a separate track of just the rattlesnakes making those noises. Yeah. They so. actually have a big pit there with them. Uh, you, know, <laughs> that's a, you know, live at the snake farm. Why not? I, mean, I, I, I should do that. Yeah, I think it would be, be great. Well, I've, I've actually, you know, it's really, I'm actually kind of uh, working on a uh, a Christmas, not a Christmas album, but a Christmas song called Christmas Time at the Snake Farm. <laughs> that's and, great. Uh, I love it. I well, love it. and so I'll probably do it there at the Golden Nuggets in just December 12th we're playing, but the idea is it's, uh, it's Christmas time at the snake farm. Nobody's celebrating. It's winter at the snake farm. Snakes is hibernating. <laughs> you know, snake farm. Fala la 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 la. No, that's great. And uh, so, you know, it's not only Christmas time in Las Vegas. It's uh, NFR times. Yeah, you're there right in the middle of it. Uh, yeah. As we mentioned, December twelfth at the Golden Nugget. Do you like coming to Las Vegas because it's such a different cultural experience? Oh. It was an incredible treat last year when we showed up. They took such great care of us, and the audience was so nice. And, uh, you know, like I say, I, I'm not really mainstream, but I think, you know, being Rodeo Week, there's a lot of people from Texas and Oklahoma who, who know me right. that were there. So exactly. we had a really, uh, like, right, right at a full house, I believe. And so, uh, you know, uh, p- people that, you know, maybe from, you know, Massachusetts or New Jersey that are in Vegas wouldn't have any idea who I am. But if, if you're from Texas or Oklahoma, you know, you're, you you may have heard of me. So <laughs> at some it, point, it yes. was It was uh, right, I say, right at a full house and we're really, uh, really a nice crowd. But we had a great time there. We, I think we're coming out a couple of days early to spend a little time because last time we kind of came in day of show and then played and then we had to leave early the next morning because you know, we had to get back, but I think we're coming in a couple of days early because I think Brooks and Dunn are playing there that week and, uh, with Reba. So I think we're going to go by and see Ronnie doing that. And I don't know. And I think Pam Tillis is playing too. I don't know. I'm going to check it, but I I think Judy said, yeah, we're going to go out a couple of days early. Yeah. It's a big, big country music presence during NFR every year in Las Vegas. It's it's quite the same. We're, uh, we're going to come out soon, but to answer your question, we had a great time. They just, uh, God, we ate great. Just incredible. The food was wonderful, and the people were so nice. And I think my son won 40 or $50 somewhere. Oh, then he doesn't need a salary from you. Let's go back to the original thing. Yeah, let's he go just back there. Yeah, just, just <laughs> give, him a, give him a, you know, $20 chip and say, here, there's your payment. Go <laughs> do it. But no. So, Before I let you so. go, there's, there's an interview you did with Rolling Stone where you talked about, and I thought it was very practical of you to say it. The quote was, I learned to get the gig and then get the band. If you get a band, then you got to support the band. Which, yeah. you know, from a business standpoint, I recently talked to Tillman Fertitta, who actually owns the Golden Nugget, and he's written a book on business strategy. And to me, that would fit right in. 
Well, it, it is. Like I say, I feel I can do a solo. I mean, like I said, you mentioned I'm kind of like the diverse thing, but I can take an acoustic guitar and, uh, you know, fly to Canada and play, uh, you know, Calgary Folk Festival by myself. Or, I, you know, like I say, I feel very fortunate to be able to do that or do, uh, you know, a, little, a theater somewhere in, you know, uh, Sellersville, Pennsylvania and fly with the guitar and do it. Or, you know, like I say, if I need to play in place like, you know, Golden Nugget or Green Hall, you know, we beef it up with drums and electric guitars. So, yeah, to answer your question, that is, you know, get the gig, then get a band. Do I need a band? Oh, okay, I'll get one. Yeah, exactly. Oh, here, I'll tell you just really briefly, too. There's a place here called Green Hall, which is just near my deal, and it's the oldest honky-tonk in Texas, right? Right. I mean, it's just been there forever. So we were played, we played there, and all of a sudden this guy came up after the show, and he said, that's a different bass player than you had the last time you were here. And I said, yeah, I know that. And he said, and that's a different drummer than the head you that that you got playing with you than you had, uh, you know, the, the time before you played here. And I go right. He says, well, we're using different musicians. Don't you have to rehearse a lot? I said, man, it's Green Hall. It ain't Carnegie Hall. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if I quit before the drummer, so what? You know? <laughs> we don't have to start together. I just start a song. Everybody falls in. Play it. You know, but uh, you know, so that's kind of the thing about didn't getting a different band. There's so many great musicians here in Austin that, you know, if I need a bass player, I can call up and say, "Hey, man, let's go do this gig." And uh, so, yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's fun. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been singer-songwriter and storyteller Ray Wiley Hubbard. He'll be performing December twelfth at the Golden Nugget Las Vegas. For ticket information, go to goldennugget.com. And for everything about Ray Wiley Hubbard, including his album, Tell the Devil I'm Getting There As Fast As I Can, you can go to raywiley.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Ray Wiley. And Ray, thanks so much for being on the show. You bet, Ira. I had a great time. Great. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ivor David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Be my